Hey everyone, welcome back to Let's Be Real. So glad we're here. Before we get into today's interview with Caitlin Beatty, just wanted to update you on just a few things. I hope you guys are ready for Thanksgiving, ready for the holidays. I'm not, but hopefully I will be in the next couple of weeks trying to get on top of things. You know, this is about the time where the anxiety starts going up about mostly gifts for me. I'm always like, who am I buying gifts for? If someone has a way to solve that problem, let me know because it's been an ongoing crisis that I experience every late November, every single year. You would think that I would solve that by now, but I haven't. So anyway, but we're going to get into this interview in just a moment, but I want to let you guys know a couple things. The first, I'm super excited that I've gotten through sort of the first draft of my next book. It's a book on unexpected seasons. How do we find resiliency and purpose when we find ourselves in a time that we never expected and didn't want? And because of that, I am reaching out to you guys uh, with a special opportunity to share your story. If you've been through an unexpected season and you want the opportunity to share with someone who perhaps is reading the book and is entering into a season like that, what wisdom did you learn through that time? And we're taking submissions now through December 1st. We're going to work through those submissions and 10 or so of those stories are going to end up in the book. You'll have like a a byline in the book with your name on it. And I would love, love, love to feature you. So if you'd like to find out more about that, you can find the link to the form in the show notes or come on over and join our email newsletter. If you haven't done that yet, this is the easiest way to stay connected. NicoleEunis.com slash real talk. That will get you the form and everything you need to know about that as well. So would love for you guys to consider submitting your story. You don't need to be a great writer. We'll work with you and help you edit. But if you are a writer, um, this is an incredibly powerful way to see how God redeems even really, really difficult circumstances that you've been through. So definitely consider checking that out. The other thing I want you to know, we're going to start an Advent series over on How to Study the Bible podcast. We're going to be looking at the women in Jesus's genealogy, the mothers of God, so to speak. So um, would love for you to come over. We're going to start right after Thanksgiving. The name of that podcast is How to Study the Bible. Super easy to find. My face is on the thumbnail. You won't miss it. Would love to see you over there as well. Okay. We're going to get into this interview with Caitlin Beatty. I really love this conversation because Caitlin is a really thoughtful cultural commentator. She's a writer, a journalist, an editor. She observes trends in the American church, and she has written a new book called Celebrities for Jesus, How Personas, Platforms, and Prophets Are Hurting the Church. We're going to talk about the difference between fame and celebrity and how in the heck we are supposed to figure out what it looks like to be in the church in 2022. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Without further ado, here's Caitlin. My first question for you really is, is Christian celebrity new, or is this just like a new version of the revival movement that's been around America since it's since it started? Yeah. Well, the fact that some Christians are famous is not new. Uh, Paul mm-hmm. talks about kind of super pastors or, you know, um, leaders in the early church whose reputation, whose name spread far and wide because of their ministry. Um, Certainly we can just think of a number of like famous Christians throughout church history. 
I distinguish between fame and celebrity, though, in that celebrity relies on the tools of mass media to project a cultivated image of oneself Mm. and, you know, from from a church perspective to very pragmatically reach as many people as possible with the gospel. So it is relatively new in church history, Mm. but in American history and in the history of the West, we've had celebrity Christians for at least the last 150 years, starting with revivalist preachers who relied on newspapers and the printed word that came before newspapers to get the word out about their events and their gatherings all the way through radio, television. Of course, now we're living in a hyper-mediated mm-hmm. <laughs> world of social media where anybody be- can really become a celebrity. Um, but no, so I guess my answer is yes and no. Um, but I think we are in a unique time today where we see yeah. the outsized role that celebrity has in churches, ministries, and in our hearts and imaginations. Mm. Can you, okay, so circle back, because I think this is like a huge point, right? Because this is the point that starts the conversation. Well, why, why, what's wrong with Christian celebrity if it's bringing the gospel to as many people as possible? You know, like, mm-hmm. isn't it great that Justin Bieber sings a worship song? You know, like, I get it. So <laughs> let's go back again and just like clarify again, fame and celebrity. Mm-hmm. And then is celebrity always bad? Like what? what is, what part then is the part that we actually want to pay attention to in those two? Yeah. Well, I tend to think of fame as a byproduct of a life well lived that almost okay. you're not necessarily aware even that you might become famous because of the work you're doing for how you're leading for whatever you're communicating or putting out into the world. You're doing the work for the good of the work itself or because mm. you want to minister to people. And if fame comes, well, then you have to figure out how to steward it well. But that's the fame is not the point. I do think that celebrity is something that is sought out for itself, um, that a platform and a pedestal and an impressive image projected out into the world is the point itself. Celebrity, I define as social power without proximity that there is a distance between the stage and the screen or whatever platform you use to connect with people and the contours of your life lived on the ground. And in that distance and in that lack of proximity, I think come all sorts of temptations to believe our own hype, mm. <laughs> to uh, deceive people, to mm. create a, di- a division between the self that we share with others from the stage and in our interior life mm-hmm. um, to, to use our celebrity power to harm other people or to get what we want from other people. So I don't, I don't think we can say if a famous, if a Christian is famous, that's bad. They're bad. That's mm-hmm. way too simplistic. Mm-hmm. It is more a Christian who has celebrity status is going to face unique temptations and pitfalls. And actually, I wouldn't wish celebrity status on anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, I don't actually know, like, and I, I say this being appreciative of Justin Bieber and his whole vibe, but I actually don't know that it's great that Justin Bieber is such a megastar celebrity in the way he is. I just, I think that there are temptations and pitfalls that come 
with that realm. Um, and pressure. That, I mean, that's the, that's the feeling I have is just this like mm-hmm. unbelievable pressure. And the, I love what you just, the way that you describe celebrity and fame, like fame is just, you're doing the thing, the work that you're made to do, the calling that you have on your life. And like mm-hmm. maybe the breadth of your influence spreads because of the work that you're doing. A friend of mine said that it is only it, it only was when celebrity exists in the social media realm that popularity became a skill. Like basically, mm-hmm. if you can like monetize or market your popularity, like right. the way you sit in front of like a YouTube and do a video, then that's actually a marketable skill that you can mm-hmm. build a life around, which to me is such a, it's not a sham. It is built on like, a, a very shaky foundation that inevitably can't stand. I mean, that's even, and that's not even like having the talent of Justin Bieber, right? So <laughs> the pressure, just- yes. When, once you're in the machine and once the machine starts rolling, the incessant pressure to keep feeding it and to keep mm-hmm. going, incredible pressure. Um, and you, you wonder if someone like Justin Bieber, like, can he just be, Justin, are there right. spaces in his life where he's not aware that he there's an expectation that he perform and monetize mm-hmm. his normal life and keep the machine going? Yeah. And I think, you know, I I write in my book about the book publishing industry, mm-hmm. and I wonder if you feel this to some extent, Nicole, that you know the the calling of writing a book is ultimately a calling to use your words well and to write <laughs> the craft of writing, and yet the realities of what it takes to market and sell a trade mm-hmm. book in a time where people's attention spans are so short, you feel like, oh, I can't just be a writer. I have to also be a marketer mm-hmm. and a publicist and have a great ring light. <laughs> you know, there's just... And like create an experience when like the reason that you love to write is because I'm a person who likes to get lost in books. I don't <laughs> I don't want to get lost in a multimedia immersive experience with the author. I just, yes. I want to have a conversation with the author's words. <laughs> so yes. then you're in this world where you have to like be the Disney world of like everything about my life is what you must need to know in order mm-hmm. to like read a book. So yes, I feel everything that you're saying. And I, I love, I just want to like drill in even more. We're, mm-hmm. Justin, we love you. Like j- come on our podcast, Justin, right? But like this, Justin is, that's just celebrity as a pop singer, right? So where does the, where's the uniquely, let's say deceptive or destructive parts of celebrity when we talk about now marketing our faith, shepherding mm. like spiritual realities what do you mm-hmm. think are some of the, I mean, we know some of the things that have happened in Christian culture most recently, and you named a few already or alluded to them, but are there some that specifically stand out to you that you're like, and yeah, mm-hmm. this is what's actually so dangerous mm-hmm. about this when we add the Christian realm to what yeah. we're talking about? Yeah. Well, a couple of things come to mind, but both things have to do with the reality that I believe Christianity is meant to be explored and lived out in real flesh on flesh and blood community. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the example that we have from a God who became incarnate and mm-hmm. took on human form and lived a human life among people, um, among his image bearers. And so what does that tell us about what we are created for um, mm-hmm. and how we are actually meant to flourish 
I think we all sense in our time that we're not flourishing by the amount of time we're spending in a mediated experience. And Mm -hmm. of course, yes, yay for technology that allows us (laughs) to connect right now, Nicole. But when we're talking about marketing the faith, you know, does faith become something that is meeting felt needs or uh, a kind of slogan? Mm -hmm. And if it does, is that really communicating the heart of Christian faith that we believe? And Mm -hmm. is it, is it weakening or cheapening the message? Because of course the medium is the message. So that's one thing that comes to mind. The second thing is if we're talking about Christian leaders and we're talking about celebrity creating distance between Mm -hmm. a celebrity figure and the people that they're influencing, um, that, that doesn't seem to be, yeah core to the heart of Christian leadership, which mm. is to actually know the people that you're trying to serve and trying to reach. You think about the role of a pastor being connected to the image of a shepherd. And the only way a shepherd can shepherd well is by knowing the sheep. And so, and, <laughs> you know, I'm going to get dinged for this and I already have, and it's fine. <laughs> um, I tend to think that there are certain church structures that lend themselves well to pastors being able to know the people in their flock and certain church structures that for all their strengths don't quite allow that kind of proximity Mm. and like deep discipleship. Yeah. Um, So I just, I just think Christianity is a proximate faith. And when, once we start incorporating all these tools and mechanisms that distance ourselves from each other, we're veering away from it. I just had this insight, like thinking about like even what we're talking about, like, what are we doing? Like, this isn't church. We know that. Like, we need this other thing. And I'm I'm remembering that, or or sort of the the analogy that comes to mind is like you imagine your local community and maybe your pastor references a book or a podcast in the sermon. And then that book or podcast becomes like the supplemental learning that can be a part of your faith experience, which is what we do, right? Mm -hmm. I think what's happened is we've transplanted putting all of that stuff as the middle of the faith experience outside of community, outside of like a relationship where I'm like, oh, like I love what we're learning about as we're preaching through acts. And like, I, I do want to read that Dallas Willard book, but Dallas Willard's not my pastor. Like it's, that's just a supplemental experience to the faith rather than the primary experience. And I wonder if Mm -hmm. some of what's happened is we've sort of like switched those two things Mm. and kind of lost the heart of community in the midst of COVID celebrity church structures, which I agree all that, you know? Yeah. I think that's really insightful that what was meant to be supplemental, like a great addition, but not the essential thing has in fact become the essential thing. Mm -hmm. And then church, which we, I think we would both say is the essential core thing has become like great if it happens, but not the main thing. And that, yeah, I, I perceive that to be like, that's the wrong order. And it's like, oh, and and because I'm even thinking about a post I wrote recently where I was like, hey, I know you can listen to a world-class communicator and call that church, but that's not what church is. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you you can you can listen to the world-class communicator outside. Like you don't have to have that same expectation of your local pastor shepherding your flock. Like that's mm-hmm. not actually the the supremacy of the worship service is not the skill of the orator. That's that mm-hmm. is not what it was supposed to be about in the first place. Um, right. 
And that's probably me and you are probably getting into like a little bit of that church structure and like is we don't want to throw anything out as like evil or not good because we know like that's not the way of Jesus. That's not even the way he talked about different structures. But there might be some structures that do lend themselves to this temptation just as there are structures mm-hmm. that might lend it to a, to a different temptation. So like, and I, I really do like this like deep cultural analysis, but I also am just to have that tension within me, which I'm sure you do too. Okay, so what then, right? Like, do we just mm-hmm. complain about what is or how do we, how are we part of the solution or or what what's a way to be a good discerning, you know, Christian in this space. And I guess even like, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear, how are you dealing with your celebrity? Like, or your fame? <laughs> like if you, you know, regardless yes. of the fact that it might not be like Justin Bieber level, it's still people know you and relate to you as a friend or a foe who you are not actually in proximity to. Like mm-hmm. you don't actually know them, but they, right? Like the, you have more people in your life than you could mm-hmm. actually be in relationship with. Yes. I have been asked this question many times <laughs> and I have also been asked, how can you write a book critiquing celebrity when you're a celebrity? And, but I think, <laughs> I think it is a fair question in that, you know, all of us to some extent can look to somebody else and say, well, I'm not really a celebrity cause I don't have her or his number of followers. I don't have this, you know, whatever. But I think if you are a communicator in the 21st century who is trying to educate, edify, teach people beyond your immediate sphere of influence, and you're using the tools of mass media to do it, like you're, you're swimming in celebrity waters, like you're in it. (laughs) And so, you know, I can say, well, I didn't set out to become that. And that is true. You know, from the very beginning of my career, it's been, I want to write. Um, That is what I feel called to write Mm -hmm. and edit. And that has Mm -hmm. been my, my entire career. But yeah, there was a point where my platform, quote unquote, where people started to respond to what I was writing mm-hmm, and say mm-hmm. like, oh, actually I found this really helpful and I want more of this. I do try to think about the amount of time that I am spending mm. uh, reaching this kind of unseen but very real audience out yeah. in the ether and how much time I'm spending connecting with people in my immediate sphere of influence. And I think the the important thing is to be invested in people who are not approaching a friendship or a relationship as transactional, you know, because mm-hmm. of course I can also think about, well, if I connect with this writer or this person that could further my, you know, no, that's yeah. not what we're talking about. We're talking about friendship where your friend is going to show up at your highest heights and your lowest lows yeah, they know that you do this thing on the side, but that's not the primary pull. Like they deeply know you and deeply love you and they're not going anywhere. And mm-hmm. I just think we all need more of those people yeah. in our lives, you know, regardless of whether you think of yourself as a celebrity or not, but all the more so if you do have an online platform. Um, honestly, I try when I'm thinking about writing something or sharing something, I try actually not to think about reader expectations too Mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. I try to think about the integrity of the message that I want to share. I think something that I'm trying to articulate because I think if I'm too audience focused or 
heaven forbid, like fan focused. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us feel that we end up kind of becoming what people expect from us. And some of that, you might end up feeling like I'm losing myself in this or like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm losing the integrity of the calling that I believe God has put on my life. Mm -hmm. And what if God is calling me to say something that isn't going to, you know, receive cheer and applause from everybody? Like, what if I have to say the hard thing? What if I, what if I have to say the thing that is basically timeless Christian truth that is not hooked to the news cycle or isn't going to be shared a million times on TikTok? Like, so I think that there's a real just inner discernment about motive and motivation Mm. for any of us that, that has to be regular why am I posting this? What do I expect from this? Um, and yeah, going from there. How have you, and I, I think that's like so practical. And, and honestly, I think it goes both directions. It can be if you're a person who creates content or you're, I love, love how you said like swimming in celebrity waters. That's a great word. If you're also a person consuming content, you can ask like, does this feel like it has integrity do I feel like this is just marketing? Why is this in my feed? Like, is it edifying <laughs> me? Like, maybe I need to not just not, you mm. know, um, because I think that's also shaping. Like, we're we're acting and yes. reacting to what we're experiencing. Yes. So, I'm curious, um, kind of circling back, and I love. Thank you, by the way, for your vulnerability and like open, honest. It'll be like, yeah, I wrote into the machine, I wrote a book critiquing the machine. And mm-hmm. I get that that may feel like hypocritical, but that is the machine. That is the meat. Like that's how we get the message out. Where right. have you, like, how have you made pace, like peace with church life? Because, you know, I've said this in your bio, but you were, you were an editor at Christianity Today. You have been all the way in the machine. And that means that you've seen a lot, right? Like you've seen mm-hmm. a lot of good and maybe more bad and how have you made peace with your own faith community? What does that look like for you today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, from a theological perspective, as a journalist who, yes, has seen and heard things, but also remembering most of what you hear and see as a journalist is bad news, and you don't often see and hear the good news. So it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the bad news is winning. I actually think that for every like salacious, terrible you know, megachurch mm-hmm. pastor, f- moral failure scandal. Uh, there's like a hundred, you know, pastors faithfully serving his or her flock. Yeah. Um, I've always thought that the church is a human institution and God has been gracious to, um, to form the body of Christ in the world among very flawed people with limitations mm-hmm. and temptations. And so I've been able to kind of distinguish between the stuff that goes on in Christian culture and Christian institutions and the reality of the person of Jesus Mm -hmm. and the gospel as it has been passed down through the centuries. And to be able to say not everything that you see in Christian culture reflects the heart of God. And Mm -hmm. we, we need to, we need to almost have a proper um, sacred secular distinction Mm -hmm. there. So that that has not been hard for my faith in the way that I know it has been for for other people, mm-hmm. for other journalists. I attended um, Oxford for a semester in college and was introduced to the Anglican mm-hmm. tradition there. 
And again, I'm going to sound like a snob and I'm going to get dinged and that's okay. <laughs> um, I've always, since that time, you know, my entire adult life, I have been in more liturgical settings, mm. having grown up in more of a low church, seeker sensitive Methodist church. That's where I came to Christ. And for that reason, I'm very grateful for that tradition, but found myself drawn to a church service that, yes, of course, the word is preached and I love a great sermon, you know, and also that isn't necessarily the main thing. Yeah. There are all sorts of other participatory things that the congregants are doing together week in and week out. I love the structure of that. Mm -hmm. the, the structure feels stable to me in a very unstable world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there might be authors or musicians or people with platforms who come in and out. But again, it, it just, you know, there's a kind of boring nature to the church that I actually have come to really appreciate mm -hmm. <laughs> the older I get. Like, it's okay if the sermon this week was kind of boring, yeah. you know, like, um, so yeah, I, I have found a lot of faith resilience in mm -hmm. that kind of church structure. Mm. And of course, I'm it's not, you know, this, like, in my saying that I am not saying that other structures are less mm -hmm. than, but for me, that, that is what, um, that is what is, has been most life-giving in my adult life. Well, you, I, you said that super gracefully. I, I think that we, sh I mean, it's interesting too, even hearing you like qualify some of the things that you're saying to realize this is how far we've come in like device, the divisive nature of conversation that I can't like have my opinion, back up my, my opinion. And then it's okay <laughs> if we disagree. Like, it's just like, yeah. but I, I like that you backed it up. You're like, Hey, this is what the Anglican faith has meant to me. This is what it's like. And also I'm grateful for this other experience I had because God used that too. Mm -hmm. And right. I think, but we can also say, Hey, there does seem to be when, when there's, pro there's power, and there's distance, there seems to be corruption. That is not the case for every single Christian celebrity, but we should be very, very mm -hmm. aware of growing power and growing distance and what that mm -hmm. usually can lead mm -hmm. to in any of our lives, mm -hmm. right? In, right? In in small ways that you and I might lack integrity between the moment we show up on the screen and then when we go home, you know, to mm -hmm. our families or to our friends. And then also in big moments of just like massive moral failures and cover-ups and years of, you know, mm -hmm. deception. Like, it's still mm -hmm. the same route, right? Like, it's just different levels of it. Yeah. Yeah, I like how you put that. Um, power plus distance equals corruption in in small and large ways, in yes. very public and very private and personal ways. Um, and that's true for you know, all human institutions. And mm -hmm. it's just a common thread throughout human history that that combination of power and distance often leads to abuses mm -hmm. of power and harming other mm -hmm. people. It's just, it's especially concerning when you see it in religious institutions, because you think, yeah, but this institution should be different. This should, we should be different from the rest of the world. We should be right conducting ourselves in a countercultural way. And, you know, the person of Jesus continues to be radically countercultural in his understanding of power and what he came to earth to do and his refusal to co-opt worldly power, even for good purposes. Mm -hmm. And I think in some of these stories, there is a, a rationalization that 
power can be used to reach more people with the gospel. Yeah. Um, and we're like, did you guys read about the temptation of Christ? Anyone? <laughs> Just it's it's right there it's right in here. the gospels. We actually we went over this part. Doesn't take even that much contextualization. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but just how radical it is that Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. And that is your calling too. Mm -hmm. And that is so hard and so liberating if we yeah. can, uh, if we can accept it and try to live it out. Mm. Okay. So we're getting near the end of our time. And I just had this picture of like, Caitlin, with all of your research, your journalistic mind, the the interviews you've done, the things that you've seen, if you had like a small group of megachurch pastors and Christian celebrities who all were just humbly looking to you and saying like, Caitlin, what, what word would you give us? What mm. is the word that you would have for a small group of those, let's say, interested in growing leaders? Mm. Well, first, I would say thank you for meeting with me <laughs> and for giving me time um, from your busy schedules. Um, this is like cheating, but I think of these words as similar, very similar and related, but something like stay grounded or stay rooted. Mm -hmm. Because when we, like when we think about the call of humility and staying humble it's mm. we have this vision of like stay stay on the ground mm -hmm. <laughs> don't don't go flying off out there yeah. stay on the ground among people who know and love you don't be naive mm. about how good it might feel to get mm. applause or praise out there but like what you were made for and where you will truly flourish is down here on the ground. Mm. So something like stay grounded, stay rooted. Mm. Gosh, I love that. that. I feel like that's like yeah. a word for anyone on social media. Like it's just like, who knows you really? Like who sees you really? And what are you doing to cult? Like you, where we started this interview when you said, here's the way I'm mm -hmm. cultivating that in my own life so that I'm not just a face behind a screen or, right. you know, a person behind my thumbs on social media or behind my words. It's a right. good word. Yeah, it's hard. But I think it, it I think it is the path of freedom for us. Yeah. And the way of Jesus for sure. Yes. Well, Caitlin, thank you. The book is why can't I just remember the name? Tell me the name real quick. I don't have it. Celebrities for Jesus? Is it Celebrities yeah. for Jesus? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I like totally blanked out. It took out. me a really long time to memorize the subtitle. Um it's <laughs> Celebrities for Jesus, How Personas, Platforms, and Prophets Are Hurting the Church. Okay, you guys, the book is Celebrities for Jesus. You're going to love, I just, I love the way Caitlin really invites you into the stories that help you think really well about this particular issue. So you're going to want to pick the book up. It's great. Caitlin, we love to always end the show with just a light note. Um, I'm just curious, first of all, where we can find you. Tell us about your podcast. And secondly, what is like, a product or an app or like something that you're doing in your life that's just bringing you a lot of joy right now. Mm. Yes. Listeners can find me at caitlinbeatty.com. Um, I have links to, of course, the book and essays and a link to the podcast that I co-host with my friend Roxy. It's called Saved by the City. It's about 
two single Christian women <laughs> taking on New York <laughs> one strange date at a time. Um, this is not an app or a product. I'll just give a shout out to my nephew who's three, who is yes, the only grandchild in the family was a surprise baby. And he is the axis around which the baby family now revolves. And he is the light <laughs> of our lives. And I just love spending time with him, seeing him. I was home in Ohio for a Halloween weekend and he dressed up as a cheetah. And that's just, yeah, being an auntie oh my is giving me I, a lot of joy. I love it. I share that same thing. There's something about like three-year-olds that is just like God gave us three-year-olds to remind us that there is joy in the world. Like it is, <laughs> it is worth continuing forward. So I love that. Oh man, that's yes. such good stuff. We're going to put all of these in the show notes, you guys, all the links so that you can find Caitlin. It's been great to spend a few minutes with you and thank you for the work that you do. It is meaningful. It is important. It's valuable. And I'm glad for it. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for this conversation, Nicole. You flying through the mountain ranges, but I never see the danger. That final boss is swinging, but our hearts are full, and I'm not.